just want to turn the corner and now, you know, as Christmas is over and, and, and start focusing on, you know, uh, I love that the, the song selection, the song of the way, but that there's that the part that says that um, it's a new horizon in my eyes on you. And, and I, I love that song. And actually, I listened to it this morning. I got up, I was getting ready and I was worshiping to that song, a new day, a new horizon. But, you know, this year's coming to a close. This season's coming to a close of, of 2018. So there's a new horizon, a, a new season, a new year on the horizon. Right. And I want to start talking about that. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to talk about that a little bit tonight. And I'm going to stay in that vein on Sunday morning as well. So if you're in Isaiah chapter 43, verse 18, just to set it up, God had just finished reminding Israel about what he did to Babylon uh, in Egypt, how he delivered the Israelites from Babylon uh, in Egypt. And then he goes on in verse of 18 of Isaiah 43, and he says, but forget all of that. Everything I did, he's saying, everything I did in the past, all of that, forget about all that. It's nothing compared to what I'm about to do or what I'm going to do. For what I'm about to do is something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. The wild animals in the fields will thank me, the jackals and owls too, for giving them water in the desert. Yes, I will make rivers in the dry wasteland so my chosen people can be refreshed. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Thank you, Father, for the greatest gift that's ever been given, your son, Jesus. As we gave gifts all day yesterday and maybe the days before, we know gift giving was your idea, Lord. And you've not only given us the Lord Jesus Christ so we can come in relationship with you and, and have the, the gift of salvation, but Lord, there's many other things. And Lord, as uh, we focus on that yesterday, tonight, I pray, as we look at this scripture, we focus on the new things that you have in store for us individually, as a church, as a community. Uh, Lord, we just believe in and, and Lord, I ask that everybody, as we believe tonight, would receive and, and, and begin to focus on this next season of our lives. I pray you would speak to us, Holy Spirit. Have your way. Help me as I present your word. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. And if you've been at this church any amount of time, you know that pretty much every year. I love this scripture. I love meditating on this scripture, focusing on going into a new year with this new year coming up. Because many of us, maybe some of you already, maybe not. Maybe you're like, man, I'm still like, it's the day after Thanksgiving. And I'm still like tasting the, I got the food from yesterday. I got pecan pies, the holidays, my light's still going. Some of y'all, how many of y'all still will listen to Christmas music today? Raise your hand if that was you. Okay, you, so you still like, I'm listening to Christmas music to after New Year's, okay? I'm funny about that. I'm all about the lights staying up to after New Year's, but I can't listen to Christmas music the day after. I don't know what it is. I'm just weird. My brain works weird like that. But anyway, so, but you know, you might already start it. You know, everybody starts setting goals for the new year, making some resolutions, asking God to do something new maybe in the new year. And if you haven't, I want to challenge you to start doing that. Maybe it's like you want to get closer to the Lord. Maybe you're wanting to get more connected into the church, mend some relationships, heal some old wounds, maybe get in shape, uh, uh, better shape physically, you know, whatever the case may be. Maybe you feel a little weary and dry at the end of this year. As I was just praying for Chap and Lauren, precious, precious family, great men and women of God, awesome family, you know, and, and his wife texted my wife the other day and, and just today, right, and said it was getting weary, you know, and I text Chap after and I was saying, I was worshiping and praying for him. I sent him a song to try to encourage him. And, and you know, maybe it's the end of, like, like them, maybe you've gone through, you know, my family and I have gone through, you know, um, a, a extreme trying time in Miss Clovia these last couple of months, you know, and maybe you feel weary or dry at the end of this year. Just as this scripture says in general, I believe that God wants to do a new thing in your life this year. I believe the name of this message is the new God has for you. 
And I believe that, you know, God wants to do something great this year. And the word new in verse 19 in the, in the Hebrew language also means fresh. I want to do something new, but not only like brand new, like if I get a new pair of shoes, but something fresh, right? God's all about doing something fresh. I love like his mercies are what? Brand new every morning. God don't have leftover mercies. This is a great illustration the day after Christmas, right? A lot of us have leftovers in our fridge, right? And you got to pop them in the microwave. Now, they still taste good, no doubt. I had a, a roast sandwich for lunch today from the roast my mother-in-law cooked, and it was still good, but it wasn't fresh, right? It wasn't. It was good, but it didn't taste as fresh as it did yesterday. But th- what's good about this word is the Lord, he don't have microwave anointing or, or, or leftover mercies in this new season, new horizon. It's brand new, right? So here's just a few steps tonight, and we're probably going to go home a little bit early tonight. Here's a few steps to embracing the new that God has for you. Number one, quit looking behind and start looking ahead. And why is that? Because when we look behind, we keep looking at what he did back then. We neglect what he's doing right now. Because you notice he said, I am going to do a new thing. Look at verse 19. For I'm about to do something new. Then he says this. See, I have already begun. I have already begun. So not only are we looking forward to January 1st and the new year and the new that God has for us, but guess what? What God wants to do in 2019, he's already starting right now. He's already started before the holidays, right? He's, he's, I believe he's priming us. He's getting us ready. And then he says, do you not see it? Do you not see it? See, if you're looking in the past, you can't see what he's doing right now. Right? How many people have got rear-ended because they're looking in the rearview mirror and they rear-end the they hit somebody in the in the front of them driving? Right? If you're driving and if you're looking in the in the rearview mirror, you can't see what's in front of. You. A lot of people have got. I remember when I was a, a teenager, right? Yeah, I was probably a senior in high school. If you're on university merging onto Pinhook, you know what I'm talking about? If you're on university and you have that merging lane onto Pinhook right in front of the police station, and I remember I was merging and I was looking back like that to see if there was a car coming, and guess what happened? I had a sudden stop, and it wasn't my brakes. It was the car in front of me, and I hit, why? Because I was looking back. I couldn't see what was right in front of me because I was looking back. You know, so if you look back, you, 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 you fail to see what God's doing now, but you also start talking about the good old days. How many of y'all talk about the good old days? Thank you for being honest, Felicia and young lady and Jay. And now everybody's like, okay, if they're going to admit it, I'm admitted too. I hate to step on souls, but those three words, the good old days, are some of the three worst words we can ever have in church. I'm just being honest. It's okay to, to, to give God glory for what he's done, but if you get stuck on the good old days, you miss what God's doing now. That's why some churches get stuck on hymns and, and not doing this and not doing that and whatever. But it's like, man, that's great. I still love old hymns. We still sing old hymns, and that's great. But you can't get stuck on that. Why is that? Why is it not good to look at the good old days or to talk about the good old days and just focus on that? Because the Bible tells us not to. Did you know that? Ecclesiastes 7.10 says this. Don't long for the good old days. This is not wise. Did you know that was in the Bible? <laughs> Don't long for the good. It's okay to reminisce and talk about it. I'm a very nostalgic guy. I like, you know, thinking about, but don't long for that. Wanting to go back there. This is not wise. Why? If you tie it into Isaiah 48, because you'll miss what God's doing now and what he wants to do in the future. That's why it's not that, it's not wise to look back to the good old days. Second reason why it's not wise is because we think God's going to move the same way he did in the past. When we look at 2018, we're like, man, well, this is how God moved this way. This is how I got my healing, my deliverance, God blessed. And we can miss them that way. 
I've often told this story. I'm going to tell it real quick again. I have a dear friend of mine, uh, Troy, that I used to work for before I came to ministry. And I had just got saved, man, and I was, I was on fire for the Lord, but I was, my fire was waning. Like I got into this dry spot and I felt like I was doing everything that I needed to do, man. I was at church every time the doors opened. I was coming to prayer meetings. I was reading my Bible every day. I was praying. I was worshiping. I was in life group. I was doing, I mean, everything I knew to do that kept my fire going and growing. But I just hit this, like this law, this like dry spot. And I know what, what, what it was, what was going on in, in my life. So one Sunday morning before church, I woke up and just, I'm talking, felt bone dry. And was praying and didn't know why. And I was praying, asking the Lord, what's going on? I need fresh fire. I need something new. And as I was praying, almost exactly as I was praying, I hear a knock on my door. And it's my good friend, Troy. And I open up the door and he's crying. I said, man, what's going on? Come in, come inside. And he came inside and, and him and his, his girl, longtime girlfriend had just broken up and he was busted up and he was distraught and, and he was having a hard time. So, man, I just began to just love on him and minister to him, encourage him. And I prayed for him and I, I gave him a Bible before he left. And, and this was a guy that after I, we were great friends, but when I first got saved, he gave me a hard time because we used to run together, man. We were drinking and drugging and, you know, do, doing all that stuff in the world together. So when I got radically saved and I began to try to witness to him, he gave me a kind of hard time. And so, I had been praying for him and witnessing to him. So now he's at my house and I'm, I'm, now I'm, I'm ministering to him, praying for him, giving him a Bible and he's receiving it. And he was crying every day. I prayed for him and just loved on him. And when he left, I'm telling you, this new fire came upon me after I ministered to him. Matter of fact, my wife and I was engaged and she was living at her grandma's down the road. And so when she came in, I was in the bathroom getting ready for church. She was coming to meet me, uh, to, to go to church and she could hear me praying in the bathroom. And I came out, she's like, who were you praying for? Like I was praying the fire. I think I, some tiles came down off of my shower that, that morning. I was just praying, but you know, the fire guy came upon me. My point of that whole story is, is that I was waiting for God to set me on fire by receiving, receiving, receiving. That was the first time the Lord showed me about pouring out. That whenever I begin to minister to my brother, guess what? And he wasn't a brother in the Lord. He didn't end up getting saved. By the way, that same girl that he broke up with him, that he came to my house, broken heart, they got back together, and I married him. It was the first wedding I ever officiated as a, as a, as a pastor. It's a pretty cool story, you know, cool, cool ending. But you know, the Lord showed me, hey, I'm, I don't always give fire the same way. He was showing me, I, I was focusing on receiving to get the fire, but I needed to pour out. And as soon as I poured out and ministered and prayed and loved to my brother, I'm telling you, man, I, the, the, I got to a whole nother level because the Lord wanted to do something new in me. You tracking with me? If you look at even the Bible, I'm not going to read the whole story, but in 2 Samuel 5, 17, when David went to the battle with the Philistines, the Lord told him, hey, go at the Philistines this way. He conquered them. He defeated them. And then the next time... David could have easily went and, and after the Philistines again. You can jot it down if you want to read the whole story. 2 Samuel 5, 17 through 25. And that's the story where it says when you hear the rustling in the poplar trees. But he said, hey, don't go at them the same way. Go around the back this time. Attack them from the back. And that's how you're going to defeat them this time. You see, David could have just thought, well, look, he used me to conquer the enemy this way. I'm going to just go that way again. But David was wise enough to stop and say, Lord... How do you want me to go at it again this time? And the Lord had a different way that he wanted to do it. So, you know, we got to be careful not to look at the past, even though it could be a day or two or a whole year. Be careful, you know. And the third reason why it's, 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 it's good not to look, you know, stay focusing on the past is because we make things seem harder than they really are. Have you ever said, man, life was easier back then when fill in the blank, right? Everybody's shaking their head. Like, man, life was so much easier back then when... You know, the truth is, and I've come to realize that life really wasn't easier back then. It just seems easier because you've come out of it. 
That's all it is. You've come out of the, the trial and the fire, so you think, man, it was so much easier. But at the time, it was the hardest thing you ever went through in your life, right? I mean, now some things you still look back and say, man, that was really hard. But you think that it may be a season of life. We made things seem harder. So listen, stop focusing on the past. Focus on the new that God has for you. He says, behold, I will do a new thing, a fresh thing. Amen? Number two, don't let past failures keep you from what God has in store for you in the future. Don't let our past failures, the things that, that, that kept you down, that you messed up, that you can, matter of fact, I was talking to a lady today on the phone and she was saying her son, you know, um, messed up again and he's like, I guess I just failed again, mom. And the, the mom's trying to help him out and said, no, son, you didn't fail, just get back up. The mom's trying to encourage him like, no, you're not a failure. Keep on pressing on. You know, this is one of my favorite scriptures, Philippians 3, 12 and 14. I felt led to start reading Philippians again this morning. And it says, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already per- reached perfection. Nobody's going to be perfect. It's the Apostle Paul saying, but I press on to possess the perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. I love this. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. He says, I focus on one thing. I forget what lies behind me, my failures, my past, all of that, and I press on to what lies ahead. Listen, none of us are going to be perfect. We're all going to fall. We're all going to fail. But listen, it's dwelling on those failures that messes up. The King James Version says, reaching forward. And the picture of this is a runner who's straining every muscle as he runs towards the goal his hand stressed out to grasp it. If it's like in a relay race. So you notice those, those guys at the end, man, they run and they stretch out every part of their body to try to cross the finish line. That's the picture. It's not just looking forward. He's basically saying, I'm reaching and I'm grasping forward for what God has in store for me instead of focusing on what's behind me. You know, we were joking about football earlier. I had told the worship team I might do something a little different if I felt and, you know, if I felt I felt the Lord lead me maybe to do something. So as I said, it's football season, so I was calling an audible, you know, but I went back to the original play. So, but you know, if you're a football or any kind of sports fan, I've noticed something about focusing on the past. It, it kills your hope for the future too. Now, just in a sports context, when it's my team, if it's, let's say it's the Saints, which, you know, the Saints are killing it right now. So it's not maybe a good, but let's talk about LSU maybe a little bit. I mean, that's maybe a sort of stuff. They don't know, they did okay this year too. But any one of my teams, they, you pick a basketball, baseball team. You ever been watching a game and at halftime, if your team's losing, they'll show a stat like no team has ever come back by, from being down this many points or no, in a series, no team has ever come back from being down uh, 0-3 in a series. Like years ago, I'm not even a big, baseball fan, but the Boston Red Sox were down three to nothing to the New York Yankees and no team had ever came back in the playoffs to beat a team. Well, guess what? The Red Sox won four in a row and they beat the Yankees and they went on to go to the World Series. Well, you know what? It's kind of like that. If I look at those stats with my team, I'll have no hope. I might as well turn the TV off and say, well, if no team has ever come back, I mean, all their past failures or they never came back like, you know, uh, Les Miles never came back after, you know, there'd be no hope, but we can't look at the stats of our life. And say, just because I failed this many times, I'm not going to make it. Listen, don't let your past failures keep you from from what the Lord has in front of you. You know, I'm glad because a lot of us, I've watched those games and my team came back and won. So in life, guess what? The enemy will like to throw the stats of your failures out in front of you and say, you know what? You've tried this 18 times. Since 2000, you've been trying this and this has been your goal. What makes you think 2019 is going to be different? Put it back on your goal list, right? If you believe us of the Lord, as God's will is going to help you to improve as a person and grow spiritually, mentally, physically, relationally, 
Come on, put it, put it back on your goals list, right? Maybe you gave up on it. Don't let your failures. You know, I have a quote in my office that says this. I read it when I was very discouraged, one of my first years in ministry, and my wife actually printed it out for me and put it and framed it. I have it on my wall in my office, and it says, never let yesterday's disappointments overshadow tomorrow's dreams. Never let yesterday's disappointments overshadow tomorrow's dreams. I've often looked at that quote, and it's true, because that we all going to have disappointments, but don't let it overshadow the dreams that God's placed in your heart for tomorrow and for next year. Amen? And then the third and final thing is, hey, get out of the rut. Get out of the rut you may. You may be in a rut. A rut is an established habit or mode of operation and procedure. It is easy to get into ruts in life sometimes, right? We can easily get into a rut. You can get stuck. You can get into a place where, like I said that Sunday morning, that, that, that season of life I was in, I was just feeling stuck. You may be in a rut at the end of this year, a spiritual rut, you know, maybe a relational rut, maybe a mental or emotional uh, rut where you just feel stuck, maybe physically, where some physical ailment or you just want to get in better shape. It's easy to get into these. Again, we can get into spiritual ruts. We can de- what a rut is is where we can develop habits or establish habits of modes of operations and procedure. That's basically the definition of a rut. These spiritual ruts keep us from experiencing new things in our walk with the Lord. When we get into a rut, you get stuck. It, that keeps you from experiencing something new. Just like a, a physical rut, if you, you know, your truck or a four-wheel or something gets stuck, right? It's just spinning and spinning and spinning. You're in a rut. You can't get, there's nothing new you can, no new ground you can accomplish as long as you're stuck in that rut. From time to time, we need someone, some experience, or something to motivate us to get out of that spiritual rut. Sometimes we need a little motivation. And the Lord is the greatest motivator. Sometimes it's people around us. Sometimes it's, you know, I love what Pastor Larry says, where there's a great enough reason why, you'll figure out the how. Well, man, I just don't know how to do this, how to get out of this rut. If there's a great enough reason why, you'll figure out the how. You'll figure out how to get out of that rut. And we'll encourage you on, on how to do that. You know, you look in the Bible, the, the Pharisees and the scribes, and they were being held back by spiritual ruts in their life. Look at Mark 7, 5 through 8, says this. So the Pharisees and teachers of religious law asked him, talking about Jesus, why don't your disciples follow our age-old customs? For they eat without performing the hand-washing ceremony. Jesus replied, you hypocrites. Isaiah was prophesying about you when he said, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far away. Their worship is a farce, for they replace God's commands with their own man-made teachings. For you ignore God's law and substitute your own traditions. Then on verse 13, he goes on to say, And so you cancel, listen to this, you cancel the word of God in order to hand down your own tradition. See, traditions are really spiritual ruts. When a person or a group of people get into tradition and, and they won't allow their tradition to budge in order for something new for the Holy Spirit to come in, that's a spiritual rut. Matter of fact, I had a man that was in ministry, and I won't even say his name or denomination he was in. But when I first got saved, I had a conversation with a man that was in ministry 40 years. And he kept talking to me about a certain church and denomination, and I kept talking to him about the Bible, and I didn't know much. I was, you know, like zeal without knowledge kind of thing. If I told you some of the things I said, you would literally laugh at me. I was very brand new in the faith, but but I had fire and I had zeal. I was just hungry for the things of God. And I knew I grew up in a traditional church, so to speak, and it, it didn't, you know, there was no transformation. 
And I kept talking about the Bible, and he finally told me this. He said, Brandon, the Bible is only good with tradition. That's, think about that. And I'm like, no. I was like, man, you, you, you have it wrong. What he's saying is that if there's not the traditions of a church, then the Bible's not valid anymore is what he was saying. And I knew right away, I was like, man, I, I'm, I'm so sorry to disagree with you. Well, really, I'm not sorry to disagree. I respectfully disagree with you because, you know what, there's no tradition that any man can create what Jesus was saying that trumps the Word of God. He goes on to say you cancel the Word of God in order to hand down your own tradition. And sadly, that's what this man was telling me. He was canceling the power of God's Word if it didn't come along with the traditions of the church. And listen, I'm not picking on this one church of domination. That's why I didn't want to name them or anything. But that can happen in our own lives. We can have our own traditions. It can happen in family life church. We can have a tradition. And that's why I try to stay open. That's why I told the worship team, hey, I, I, we might turn this thing into a prayer meeting. I'm not sure, but I, I just want to be sensitive to the Lord and what he wants to do and what I think, where we should go and whatnot. And, uh, you know, but we can have our own traditions and our own religions. We got to be careful that we don't, in our personal life, in our church, have these spiritual words. What Jesus was saying is your established spiritual ruts or habit are keeping you from experiencing the new things in the Lord. God's always got something fresh and new for us, right? There's always, I mean, there's, there's always, of course, the, the standards and the truth of the Bible don't change. But you know what? The way God wants to do things and how he wants to do them, those things, the cloud, those things change. The cloud was always moving. The fire was always moving, Right? They didn't, they didn't stay camped out in, in, in Israel very long when they were traveling to the promised land. Listen, we're headed for the ultimate promised land of heaven. And the cloud's still moving. And the fire is still moving, right? And so listen, you might, you, as I'm talking, you might just desire something fresh. Maybe you don't have nothing major going on in your life, but you're just like, man, 2019, I want something fresh. I want something greater. I want something, you know, uh, just, just, a new outpour and a new, a fresh, the new that God had. Behold, I will do something new. And I believe he has begun already. I know for me, after I, I, I finished putting together this message and I went in, in a time of worship and prayer and I put on a song, a hill song that's it's actually called New Wine, according to the, 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 the scripture I'm about to read. And, and man, it just, it stirred me up. It stirred me up to just like, okay, Lord, it's a new season in my life. We're coming up on a new year. Man, I need something new. Last year's anointing, 2018's anointing won't do for where I'm going in 2019. Amen? And neither will it will for you either, right? Somebody once said a rut is just a grave with both sides kicked out, right? That's all a rut is, a grave with both sides kicked. If you're in a rut, man, you, you're going to eventually die there. we got to get out of the spiritual ruts that keep us from experiencing the new things. God wants to do something new and exciting things in our lives in this coming year. That's the thing about it, man. It's exciting. You know, it, it's hard, you know, when you live by faith because you worry because you can't see it. But at the same time, man, it's exciting too, right? It's exciting to anticipate, man, what is God going to do tomorrow? What's God going to do this weekend? What, 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 what is God going to do next year, right? It's exciting. It's, it's, it's faith. You know, it, it's part of the adventure, right? And that, that's, that's, you know, for, for all of us, I think, you know, I know some people you like to play it safe and like, no, I don't, I like to know what's coming up next year, you know, and you know, but it, but it's exciting. It's an adventure to serve the Lord. So how do we break, break the old spiritual ruts in our lives? I'm going to give you three things and then, and then we'll close it out for the evening. See, our old religious spiritual ruts and traditions will not hold the new things that the Lord has for us, right? Jesus said in Luke 5, 38, new wine must be stored in new fresh wineskins, right? Look at, uh, so three ways to break those spiritual ruts. Number one, be willing to change. 
Be willing to change. Let me read the rest of that, that, that verse right, right there. Luke 5, 36 through 39, it says this, Then Jesus gave them an illustration. No one tears a piece of old cloth from a new garment and uses it to patch the old garment. For then the new garment would be ruined and the new patch wouldn't even match the old garment. And no one puts new wine in old wineskins. For the new wine would burst the wineskins, spilling the wine and ruining the skins. New wine must be stored in new wineskins. But listen to this. But no one who drinks the old wineskin, old wine seems to want the new wine. The old is just fine, they say. The old is just fine. What was Jesus saying here? To receive the new the Lord has for you, we must be willing to change. We have to be willing to change. We can't, you, we can't stay in the same pattern, the same mindset, the same, you know, um, uh, you know, habits that we're in and expect God to do something new in us, right? We got to do something new. And listen, I hope you don't get stuck in the Put that last verse on up, Doug, if you don't mind. I hope, I pray that as you hear me tonight, as we're getting ready, you know, to, to go into this new season in January, that you're not sitting there saying, you know, the old's fine with me. I'm good. I don't need nothing new. If that's you tonight, I pray that at least this message stirs you up to begin to think about and pray about and desire wanting something new that God has for you in this new year. You know, the Pharisees and the scribes, again, they were missing the new because they weren't willing to change their old way. They wasn't willing to change the old way that they knew how to serve God all these years in their Jewish tradition. They wasn't willing to change. Jesus came on the scene and was showing them a whole new way, and they wasn't willing to change. Just like this man, this older gentleman I talked to, he wasn't willing to change his traditions to 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 see what the Lord had for him in the Bible. One of the reasons that Israel wandered in the wilderness was because they wasn't willing to change. That's why for 40 years, 40 years, they wandered in the wilderness because they wasn't willing to change. Listen, let's not be like that ox and that mule and be stubborn in cage of vernacular. Let's not be tet dull, right? We can't be hard-headed. we got to be willing to change. Not And more importantly, not hard-headed, but hard-hearted. The Bible says that today if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts like the children in the wilderness did, which caused them to wander for 40 years. We gotta be willing to change our hearts to be changed, to be open. Really, truly, only God can change our hearts. He's the only one, right, Pastor Brady? When it comes to our hearts, only, only, only the Lord could change our hearts, but we gotta just be willing. We gotta be willing to change. Amen? So number one, be willing to change. Number two, be teachable. Be teachable. Proverbs 2, 1 says, my child, listen to and treasure my instructions. We're all the Lord's children, right? We got to be willing to not only listen, but treasure and to apply, put these things into practice. When we hear a teaching, when we hear the Lord speak to us, when we read the Bible, we got to be willing to say, okay, look, I, 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 this is an area I know that's an issue in my life and I'm willing to change it because as, as we're being willing to change and being teachable, that's where the Lord can do something new in our life. Like we all have strongholds or mindsets that are wrong, right? All of us. If you don't think you have wrong mindsets, that's where you're wrong right there. I'm just joking. But seriously, we all have wrong mindsets. We all have things that, that, that we perceive life in people and even God through that are off. And that's, that may be, that may be the new for you right there. Just having a different mindset. Maybe about your spouse. Maybe about your coworker. Maybe about your boss. Maybe about church. Maybe about God himself. Listen, I know people personally have been serving God for many, many years longer than me, and they have wrong mindsets about God. And it's heartbreaking to see and to watch. 
And I pray that it, that for, for, for people like that, that in 2019, it'll be something new. A wrong mindset will be broken off and the right, true perspective of God will come about. Unless we're being, we're willing to be taught, we'll never learn God's new ways of doing things or God's ways, period. Amen. And the third and final thing, hunger for something new. Desire something new. That's what I was saying earlier. If anything, if you take anything tonight, if, if you think, man, I'm good. I don't really need nothing new. I'm, I like where I'm at. I'm good where I'm at. I desire you. There's more. I mean, I encourage you. There's more. I encourage you to desire more because there's more out there. There's more. Of course, you know the scripture, Matthew 5, 6 says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Listen, I want to encourage you to hunger for more in 2019. There's more, you know, and, and, and every year in January, one of the greatest ways that could spark a hunger in your life, both physical and spiritual, is through prayer and fasting. And something happens when you begin to fast and, and, and you, you begin to hunger for physical food. You hunger as well for the things of God, because just as as your 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 physical body is hungering for the for the the, the physical nourishment, you're lacking because you're purposely covering your mouth and saying, "Hey, we, I'm not going to eat as much, or or maybe eat it all for a while and just drink liquids or water, whatever the case may be." We have, by the way, speaking of prayer and fasting, if I, as I say fasting, you have no idea what I'm talking about. When you leave the auditorium to the right, Amanda, I saw some pamphlets. We have some how to fast, how to get started pamphlets as well. So when you leave the auditorium in the lobby to the right, under the, the the TV on the right, there's some some pamphlets. I encourage you start reading up on fasting now. If you've never fasted, uh, there's some pamphlets to help you to get started. It'll be a couple of weeks before we kick it off. If you have some questions, come talk to one of us. We'll be more than glad to help you and talk to you about it. But I'm telling you, fasting is one of the greatest ways. If you're in a rut, if you feel spiritually dry, you want something new to begin uh, a, a, a hunger. It sparks a hunger in you for the things of the Lord. It may be you turning off the TV, getting off of social media, uh, and maybe fasting food or treats or something. You know some of the things that you uh, you like to eat. It's always good after the holidays too. I think we all can all use to shed a few or more pounds, right? You know, so I think it works good. I, I jokingly say when I first came on staff here, and uh, that uh, we when I, I I started in November, part time, then full time in December, and. A lot of you, you know, lovely people would bring us treats and stuff. And so every day it's like I'd get to the table and there'd be a new, like, treat, a, a platter of, like, fudge or cookies or whatever. And I'm like, I jokingly said, man, I see why y'all fast in January. After everything we eat around here in December, right? You know, jokingly, that's not really why we fast. But that is a, a side effect. That's a blessing, right? We really all can, you know, um, um, it, it can help us physically. But the main thing is hungering for the Lord spiritually. It helps us to just declutter our life, declutter our mind and our heart. You know, I love the way one man of God put it. I was reading a book, actually the best book I ever read on fasting. And, and he said this, he said, you know, we use a lot of things to prop up our hearts throughout the year. We use food. You've heard the term comfort food, right? You've probably used the term comfort food before, right? You probably ate the term comfort food, right? Amen. Um, we use entertainment. To prop up our hearts. What do I mean by prop up our hearts? Let me stop there. When we go through hard times and tragedy, we use things to comfort us. We use things to help us through those times. And some people use food. Some people use entertainment. Some people use work. It's like, man, work's good. I work hard. I work my way. And that's great. But some people work their way through it. 
Some people play their way through it. Man, I'm just going to get away. I'm going fishing every day. I'm going to play golf. I'm going hunting, whatever the case may be. None of those things are bad. But we use all those things to prop up our hearts, to help us get through tough times. I love how this man of God said it. He said, what fasting does, it kicks all the props away and makes you depend only on God. And I'll give you a quick testimony on this. And this is, this is all glory to God. But next month's going to be 10 years that my brother went to be with the Lord. And he, he passed away during fasting. January 15th, he actually passed away. He went home to be with Jesus on his 33rd birthday. And it was during a time of prayer and fasting. And when my brother died, uh, his, his in-laws, um, they still do. They own a, a Mexican restaurant here in town. So, of course, what happens anytime somebody dies? What, what's the next step? They bring food, right? So here comes his father-in-law. We're all at, at, at my sister-in-law's house. His father-in-law comes in with, like, I think half the restaurant of food. And was like, here y'all eat, Brandon, eat, eat. And I was like, no, man, I'm good, I'm good. And I remember in that moment I had a decision to make. I'm glad I was just reading that book. And I just read that term. And I remember I had a decision to make. I was like, you've probably heard this story, so if you did, bear with me. But just to encourage you about fasting. And I thought, you know, if I, if I break my fast right now and don't fast the rest of the month, I know God still loves me. Because, by the way, God's not impressed by our fasting. Fasting's for our end, so we draw closer to God. You know, God, God's not like, oh, you're going to get two extra stars by your name this week because you fasted, right? It doesn't work that way. Fasting's for us to draw closer to the Lord, right? So I think God's pleased with it, but it's not like, you know what I mean? Does, does that make sense? So when I knew God, I'm God's son. He, he wouldn't love me any less. He wouldn't think I was any less of a, I, I was a youth pastor at the time. I didn't think anybody would think I was any less of a pastor if I didn't fast. And I thought, you know, and nobody would, I don't think anybody would judge me or condemn me. Like, my brother just passed away tragically. I don't, everybody would totally understood if I just, like, tore into them fajitas tonight and broke my fast and kept on eating the rest of the month. But I had just read that line in that book, and it went through me like a lightning rod. So I had the decision that night, and I said, am I going to use food or the Lord to help me through this time? Am I going to prop up my heart with this food or with the Lord? I'm so glad I read that in that book. And I said, no, man, I'm, I'm good. And I kept fasting. And I'll tell you what, that in itself, because I just depended on the Lord through a most tragic time of my life. And to see my mom and my, my niece, you know, my sister-in-law, just all of us reeling through, through my brother dying, 33 years old. But you know what? During that time of fasting, that was, I, I, to this day, that was one of the times I remember in a season where I drew closer to the Lord like never before. Because I was in so much pain. I was hurting. It was so hard. But I just kept on. I mean, some days I come to the office, go in my office, do a couple of things, and I just go to a prayer room. Sometimes I just cry. I can't tell you, like, I was praying all these. Man, I just go in there and cry sometimes. That was my prayer time. I'd go in there and just say, Lord, help us. And I'd start crying. I'd just worship, cry. And I, I you know, but I, I tell you what, I continued to fast. And in that time, I came out of that season. Of course, we grieved and we went through it. But something happened in me that year. I know there was a shift in me, and I know it just helped me to process the grief. You might be lost someone close to you. I know just to, to process the grief and to go through that, I didn't allow anything else to prop up my heart. I went to the Lord and allowed Him to help me through this time. Amen? So if you've never fasted before, I encourage you, January 7th, we're going to start a corporate time of 21 days of prayer and fasting. And if you don't know what fasting is, again, go get you some pamphlets. Come talk to us after. It's almost two weeks where it can prepare you. Prepare your mind. Prepare your heart. Prepare your stomach. That you're going to be depriving him for a while, okay? And so, and in that, as uh, there's going to be a hunger for the Lord like never before. I'm telling you, any time during prayer and fasting, especially that year I was talking about a decade ago, I remember just drawing closer to the Lord. And I, I sensed the Lord's presence in my life like never before. 
And I just knew that the Lord was helping us and was He's so real and He was comforting us and, and giving us the grace to go through that time. So join us January 7th for prayer and fasting. And you're going to be hearing about it in the next couple of uh, weeks as well. I love Ezekiel 47. It talks about the river of God. And when he talked about the river of God, I love one of the verses that says, everywhere the river flowed, life flourished. But it also said that they have a new crop every month. When the river of God's flowing through your life, river of God symbolizes the presence of God, the power of God, the provision of God. Whenever you allow the river of God to flow, I love that it says there's a new crop every month. So I love that not only I believe in God for something, do something new in you next year, like maybe it's one big thing. It could be every month. Listen, it could be every week. Listen, you could have a new every day. The Bible says his mercies are new every morning. So I believe God wants to do something new and give us something fresh every day. Maybe in just the way a word for you greater just a connection with him and your presence, great understanding of him and who he is. And maybe it's greater understanding of what he wants you to do in his life. Like I said that day when I poured out and ministered to my buddy, you know, that that's what, what sparked something new in me. And some of y'all might be sitting here tonight, you're still not sure what does God want me to do with my life? Well, guess what? If you begin to hunger and thirst for righteousness and God's will and you pray and fast, I absolutely 100% guarantee you the Lord's going to show you. Maybe he already showed you, and, and, and it's just time for you to act on it. Okay, now I'm meddling now. Maybe the Lord's shown you, but now he, he, it's time for you to act. This new that God has for you is you getting up, up your, off your keister and going to do something about it, right? Can you say that in church? I just did, I guess. So. Pastor Brady said, yes, yeah, so I'm going to get his stamp of approval and keep, keep going. So as we close, think about this. Our whole relationship with Christ is based on newness, right? Past, present, and future. Think about it. The Lord came down and he gave us a new covenant. When we get saved, we're all new creations, right? We're going to live in a new heaven and have a new earth. And we will all have new names. So we get, right? Everything, both past, present, and future, our whole existence and relationship with Christ is based on newness. God is not about leftovers. It's all about newness. That's a powerful line right there. You might want to write that down. That's, that's a tagline. God's not about leftovers. I can, actually, that could be the subtitle of this message right now. The new God has for you. He's not about leftovers. Everything he wants to do is something new. But he says, behold, I will do a new thing. Don't you see it? Why don't you go ahead and stand up with me? And let's just go over these and pray through these before we leave tonight. Revelation 21.5 says this. And the one sitting on the throne said, look. I'm making all things new. This is at the end of the Bible, in the book of Revelation. So he says, look, I'm doing something new. I'm doing a new thing. Do you not see it? I have already begun. Come on, why don't you close your eyes with me? Let's just pray through this together. The Lord wants to do something new in your life. Maybe it's, it's in your marriage. Maybe it's in your children. Maybe it's in your finances. Maybe it's in your physical health. Again, maybe it's you know, your relationship with Him. Maybe it's your gifting. We always talk about next steps. We're not having it this Sunday. But what about, do, do what, what's your gifting? Do you know that? God wants to do something new. He wants to show you what your gifting is. What's your purpose? We're all on a four-step journey to know God, to live free, to find your purpose, and to make a difference. God wants to do something new with every head bowed, every eye, every head bowed and every eye closed. Let's go through the four-step journey first. He wants you, everybody wants to, he wants everybody to know him personally. Do you know the Lord personally? And not just know Him with head knowledge, but do you know that the greatest gift ever given, we just coming off of uh, Christmas, 
was Jesus. You know, gift giving was God's idea because in John 3.16, he says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whatever head by every eye closed, nobody looking around. Do you know the Lord personally? I said when we get to heaven, we're going to have new names. Do you know you're going to heaven? Tonight, I don't know everybody in here. I know most people, but I don't know everybody. If you say, Brandon, I want to start right there. To, to do something new, you have to begin, be born again. That may be the newness that you need tonight is to be born again into a new creation. To have your sins forgiven and to come to know Christ in an intimate name. If you say, Brandon, if, if, if I died, like, again, tragically, we hear all the time this young couple... If you say, man, I, if, if I didn't wake up tomorrow morning, I don't, I don't know if I'm right with God, but I need to get right with God. If that's you, just slip up your hand. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you tonight and say, man, I see your hand, young man. Anybody else? Thanks for being brave, brother. I see your hand, sister. Who? Anybody else? See, all, all, hands going up. And the, right there, this whole family. Thank you, Jesus. Anybody else? Come on. We're going to pray for this, these young people. It's awesome to see young people raise their hand and, and want to give their lives to the Lord. Young people, just pray with me. The Bible says, if you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. Come on, let's all pray together. Lord Jesus, I know that I've sinned. And I ask, Lord, that you forgive me of my sins. Lord, I make you my Lord and Savior. Lord, begin a new work in me. Turn me into a new creation that I can be like you. Now give me the grace and the strength to live for you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. If you, if you, yeah, come on, let's give them a round of applause. Come on, listen, if you, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, there's a card in the pew in front of you. I want you to fill it out. It says, I made a decision. You can drop it off at the lobby. The info sit on your way out or bring it to one of us. So listen, God wants us to know him personally, to live free, to find your purpose, and to make a difference. Maybe the newness for you is that you, you get freer than you are. Listen, somebody said none of us is as free as God wants us to be. Maybe the newness is getting free from old bondages, wounds, hurts. Maybe it's, you got to find your purpose. You don't know what your purpose is. Hey, listen, you know, go to next steps. Find out your gifting. And then God wants us all to make a difference. But in order to do this, we got to stop looking behind us. Start looking ahead. Don't let the past failures keep you from the future blessings God has for you. Come on, let's get out of these ruts. So why don't you bow with me one more time. Let's pray through these. Come on, maybe that's you. Maybe you say, Brandon, man, I, you know, I, I have a habit of looking back. Come on, let's make a decision right now that we're not going to look back. Let's pray. Father, we pray in Jesus' name. Like Paul says, let's make it a goal. This one thing I do, forgetting what, what lies behind, but pressing on to what lies ahead. Lord, help us to look to the future of what it is that you have for us, Lord God. Lord, help us to look forward and what's going on, not to long for the good old days, Lord, but to see what you're doing now and in the future. Lord, help us. Come on, maybe you, your past failure has been keeping you from the newness God has, the new anointing, gifting, uh, uh, destiny that the Lord has for you. Come on, let's ask the Lord. Break Lord, the, the fear of failure off of us, Lord, the condemnation of failure, Lord God, the, that's been weighing on us. I pray that would be broken off our lives, that we can, uh, Lord God, just fulfill and walk in the destiny and the future you have for us. And Lord, I pray, help us to identify and to get out of any ruts that we're in. Maybe a spiritual rut, Lord God, or anything else where we're stuck, Lord God. And, and we know we, we need to get out of the, the muck and the mud of maybe relationships, life, our own self, our own hurt, our own wounds, our wrong mindsets. Lord, I pray, break wrong mindsets off of us, Lord. I pray, get us ready, prepare us for a time of prayer and fasting that we set apart three weeks, Lord God, to, to not eat as much and, and to turn off the TV and get off of social media and these kind of things and focus in on you, Lord God, and what it is that you want to do in our lives and, 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 and mold and make us into, Lord 
what you want us to be. Lord, you said if you, we would delight ourselves in you, you would give us the desires of our heart. So make us and mold us into your image. And Lord God, I know that you're going to do a great work in us individually, in our homes, our families, our church, and our communities. We thank you, Lord, for this year. We're looking forward for a new year and the new that you have for each and every one of us. Lord, we give you all the glory and the honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Well, God bless y'all. Happy New Year. Good to be with y'all. Thanks for coming out tonight. We'll see y'all Sunday. If you need prayer for anything, you can go ahead and come up and we'll pray with you.